afternoon. I'm Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Thanks for joining us. U.S. President Donald Trump and his Democratic challenger Joe Biden face off in their final debate less than two weeks to go before Election Day. The two rivals tackled six debate topics, including how they would deter foreign interference in the polls. Officials had accused Iran of being behind emails sent to Democratic voters in multiple battleground states. The emails appeared to be aimed at intimidating them into voting for Trump. I made it clear that any country, no matter who it is, that interferes in American elections will pay a price. They will pay a price. And it's been overwhelmingly clear this election, I won't even get into the last one, this election, that Russia has been involved, China has been involved to some degree, and now we learn that, that, uh, that uh, Iran is involved. They will pay a price if I'm elected. They're interfering with American sovereignty. The one thing that's common to both of them they both want you to lose because there has been nobody tougher to Russia with, between the sanctions. Nobody tougher than me on Russia. Between the sanctions, between all of what I've done with NATO, you know, I've got the NATO countries to put up an extra $130 billion, going to $420 billion a year. That's to guard against Russia. I sold, while he was selling pillows and sheets, I sold tank busters to Ukraine. There has been nobody tougher on Russia than Donald Trump. The issue of taxes also came up after Trump accused Biden of receiving funds from Russian sources. I have released all of my tax returns, 22 years. Go look at them. 22 years of my tax return. You have not released a single solitary year of your tax return. What are you hiding? Why are you unwilling? The foreign countries are paying you a lot. Russia's paying you a lot. China's paying you a lot. And your hotels and all your businesses all around the country, all around the world. I'm going to release them as soon as we can. I want to do it. And it'll show how successful, how great this company is. But much more importantly than that, people were saying $750. I asked them a week ago, I said, what did I pay? They said, sir, you prepaid tens of millions of dollars. I prepaid my tax. Tens over the last number of years. Tens of millions of dollars. The televised encounter in Nashville, Tennessee, is one of the last remaining opportunities for both candidates to woo voters. Opinion polls show Trump is trailing Biden, though the contest is tighter in some battleground states. U.S. authorities have approved the antiviral drug remdesivir for the treatment of COVID-19 patients. But this, this report tells us the first and only drug approved against the disease in the U.S. has not been shown to improve patients' chances of survival. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration on Thursday approved Gilead's antiviral drug remdesivir for treating patients hospitalized with COVID-19, making it the first and only drug approved for the disease in the United States. Remdesivir, given intravenously, was one of the drugs used to treat President Donald Trump, who tested positive for the respiratory disease earlier this month. 
The FDA's formal approval came just hours before the president's final debate with Democratic rival Joe Biden ahead of the November 3rd presidential election. Trump's seemingly dismissive approach to the coronavirus has clouded his re-election prospects, with polls showing Americans losing confidence in his ability to handle the pandemic. Remdesivir has been available under an FDA emergency use authorization since May after a study led by the National Institutes of Health showed it reduced hospital stays by five days. However, the World Health Organization last week said its global trial of COVID-19 therapies found that the drug did not have a substantial effect on patients' length of hospital stay or chances of survival. At $3,120 for a five-day treatment course, remdesivir has become the standard of care for patients hospitalized with severe COVID-19, even though it has not been shown to improve survival. Doctors have remained wary of using it in patients with less severe illness. A grim development in the coronavirus situation in Spain as it becomes the first Western European country to surpass 1 million COVID-19 infections. Spain doubled its tally in just six weeks, despite stringent measures to control the second wave of the virus. Here's the full story. Spain is now the first Western European country to exceed 1 million reported COVID-19 infections, despite increasingly aggressive control methods. After slowing to a trickle in the wake of Spain's strict March to June lockdown, the infection rate accelerated to frequently exceed 10,000 cases a day from late August. It hit a new peak of more than 16,000 last week. Health Minister Salvador Ilia said on Thursday that Spain needs drastic measures to tackle Europe's second wave, which he says is out of control in his country. He is now considering new restrictions, including curfews. However, daily deaths in the country have been hovering around 100, still a far cry from the peak of nearly 900 registered in late March. A two-week lockdown in Madrid and surrounding cities is coming to an end on Friday. The health minister, like other global health officials, is also concerned over winter's approach where most activities will be indoors, increasing the probability of transmitting the disease. This may also potentially postpone some non-urgent surgeries as the health service may have to move resources to combat the pandemic. Over in France, COVID-19 infections also crossed the 1 million mark. As a result, the government is extending curfews to around two-thirds of its population as the second wave of the pandemic surges across Europe. This will confine 46 million of the country's 67 million population to their homes from 9 in the evening to 6 in the morning. France reported 41,622 new infections on Thursday. That's a daily high for new confirmed cases since the start of the outbreak. Europe appeared to have gained a measure of control over the pandemic after imposing some of the world's strictest lockdowns in March and April. But a surge in cases in recent weeks has put the continent back at the heart of the crisis. The northern region of Lombardy in Italy imposes a nightly curfew to combat a sharp rise in coronavirus infections. The curfew takes place from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. to shut down late-night gatherings. On Wednesday, Italy registered over 15,000 new COVID-19 cases over 24 hours, 
That's the highest daily tally since the start of the country's outbreak. Lombardy accounted for more than 4,000 of the new cases, with about 2,000 cases in Milan. The spokesperson for the National Task Force to End Local Communist Armed Conflict denies red-tagging actress Liza Soberano after coming under fire for warning her against associating herself with a progressive women's group. Lieutenant General Antonio Parlade says he only wanted to make Soberano understand what he describes as the, quote, duplicity of the Gabriela Women's Party. He insists Gabriela is a terrorist organization with ties to the local communist movement. Gabriela Youth is a legal, a legal front organization, and that's the reason why it's called front, because meron sila mga ginagawa underground. Now we have this anti-terror law, and the IRR is out. So we are now in the process of consolidating these pieces of evidence. Meanwhile, Defense Chief Delphine Lorenzana told Barlade to make sure he has evidence to support his claims before making public statements. Well, ABS CBN actress Liza Soberano, not afraid of anything, even after Pelada's warning for her to stop supporting women's rights group Gabriela or end up getting killed. Soberano's lawyer reiterates the actress is not part of any cause-oriented group and that she only joined the recent webinar of Gabriela because she values women's and children's rights. Her lawyer added there was nothing wrong with what Soberano did. Liza is not afraid of this statement from General Parlade. Though I must state that we take note of the general's advice, unsolicited as it may sound, okay? However, please know that Ms. Soberano will continue to exercise her constitutionally protected right to free speech and expression without fear nor restraint from anyone. Meanwhile, the Gabriela Women's Party rejects claims supporting or being a member of the organization leads to membership in the New People's Army. Gabriela Party List Representative Arlene Brosa says the military's accusations that Gabriela has ties to the NPA are baseless. She adds, government is targeting Gabriela because it wants the party list out of Congress. Gabriela make that the Gabriela Women's Party is under the Makabayan bloc in the House of Representatives. Palagi nilang sinasabi pero hindi naman nila kami maiyano ma, sa korte. So ibig sabihin, wala silang ebidensya. Those are all lies. They resort to um, red tagging sa public vilification and everything. We have a track record of 20 years of doing this um, legislative measures nga. We have um, the VAUSI, the anti-trafficking in persons. We have the Juvenile Justice Welfare Act, the Occupational Safety and, he uh, and Health Standards. Tapos nag-push din tayo ng um, maternity leave law, expanded maternity leave law, anti-rape amendments, yung Magna Carta of Women. That is enough para ipaliwanag po na iba yung Gabriela Women's Party. 
The Philippine Central Bank expects better economic growth figures this third quarter. Central Bank Governor Benjamin Diokna pointed to improvements in various areas such as employment, manufacturing and investment inflows ever since the economy started opening up. Diokna also confident the central bank can achieve earlier its goal of having 50 percent of all transactions be done digitally. As a result of the pandemic and the ensuing lockdown, there has been a sea change in, in the behavior of Filipinos, right? There's been a, a uh, quantum jump in the use of the digital uh, transactions. And so I'm encouraged by what happened during the uh, pandemic. Our target before the pandemic was that that will take place by 2023, I think that we can accomplish that even earlier, as early as uh, end of December 2022. Goldman Sachs agrees to pay nearly $3 billion to settle a probe into its role in Malaysia's 1MDB corruption scandal. The U.S. Justice Department says the settlement was the largest penalty ever levied on a U.S. company for breaching the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Today's resolution is significant. It includes criminal charges against the bank and a guilty plea by its Malaysian subsidiary. It also requires Goldman to disgorge the entirety of its $600 million profit, pay a $2.3 billion penalty, and admit wrongdoing. In short, it imposes serious consequences that reflect the central role that Goldman and its employees played in this serious scheme. This resolution marks a major milestone in our efforts to fight foreign corruption involving U.S. businesses. U.S. authorities have been investigating Goldman Sachs's role in underwriting three bond offerings in 2012 and 2013 that raised $6.5 billion for Malaysia's government. Prosecutors have said Goldman also paid over $1.6 billion in bribes to senior government officials around the world, including Malaysia and the United Arab Emirates. In sports, football star Cristiano Ronaldo tests positive for COVID-19 again. This means he could miss next week's Champions League showdown against Barcelona. Ronaldo's absence could spell trouble for Juventus as they face Lionel Messi and company who currently lead Group G on goal difference. The football superstar was first diagnosed while training with Portugal last week. The NBA will hold this year's rookie draft virtually from the ESPN studios in Connecticut on November 18. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum will be in the studio to announce selections for the first and second rounds. Draftees, meanwhile, will appear digitally. The Minnesota Timberwolves own this year's top pick, followed by the Golden State Warriors, the Charlotte Hornets, the Chicago Bills, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Among the possible top picks are 18-year-old LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards from the University of Georgia, and University of Memphis big man James Wiseman. And that'll do it for today. Thanks for joining us the whole week this week. I'm Carmina Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, Dateline Philippines podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Play back the interviews, too, on AMC's YouTube channel. Keep safe, everyone, as you keep it here on ANC.